All right. Welcome, everybody. It is another episode of League One on the Rocks. My name is Rich. You can find me on Twitter at I'm Rich, but I'm not. Joined with a man who has beaten the sun in a staring contest. Brian, how are you? Yeah. Um, other than the uh, retinal burns, I, I'm doing all right. Um, can't see too well right now, but, you know, it was just an intense contest. But you came out on top and that was totally I, worth it. I did come out on top. One for the history books. <laughs> <laughs> Man, tonight is a busy night. We already had one League One match. We've got the U.S. match going right now. Um, in my universe, drum course started tonight, so there's performances happening as we speak. And uh, the NHL draft is tonight. Connor Bedard is officially a Blackhawk now, so there's a lot going on tonight. It's a mm-hmm. busy night. And they say sports is dead in the summer. No kidding. <laughs> Whatever. Well, Make you already took a up. sip. What are you drinking tonight? Uh, so tonight I am sporting some uh, Rieger's Irish whiskey or Kansas City whiskey. And it is the actual Kansas City limited release version that my brother got me um, when he was down in Kansas City for Christmas. So I decided to break into it and... It's pretty damn good, must admit. That's so cool. Nice. How's it taste? It's it's phenomenal. And I'm usually yeah. like an Irish whiskey guy, but this is uh rather smooth. That's a large glass of it too. You're going Yeah, I went on that stuff, man. I mean I, I I did I did put a little bit of uh some water in it too, and just cause okay. I don't just drink uh I can't just sip on straight whiskey all night i gotta cut it a little bit <laughs> some of the purists out there are already throwing their phones across the room or you know smashing their laptop but i apologize i have a, a co-worker who found out that i like to drink uh scotch you know whiskey you know scotch is whiskey i know that folks but uh all, <laughs> all he, scotch is whiskey but not all whiskey is scotch exactly there you go uh so he found out that i like to drink uh that stuff and uh, he said, so how many cubes do you put in? And I said, no, I, I drink it neat. And the look on his face was like pure astonishment. You drink it neat? Yeah. You're a brave man, Rich. <laughs> Talking about me staring at the sun and you just sipping on scotch neat. <laughs> well, tonight I'm not going as hard as you. I, I've got the, the bush again. But I'm going to go fast with this one because I only have three koozies. And so I need to... Three koozies and four beers. It's a classic, classic. But yeah, I mean, it's been a, uh, this weekend was rather intense in League One action. Um, Quite a few matches. We've got some very uh, crazy, crazy stuff going on. Uh, Our first four goal um, performance. So, We've also kind of figured out the table. And if you remember back to our beginning of the season podcast, and we were talking about our average points per match. Um, some teams are starting to distinguish themselves. Remember we said about that 1.5 level is where you needed to be at to possibly break into the playoffs. And that's, that's about where it's sitting right now in your average points per match for the top six. Sure is. Um, oh man, that carbonation! I just 
chug that guy and the carbonation's hitting me. But yeah, you're right. Once you get to around that point and a half um, points per match mark, that's when, yeah, that's when you're sitting right at the uh, the playoff threshold. And that's going to be a close competition because one knock is at 1.4. Richmond's at 1.4. Greenville's at 1.36. Mm-hmm. So it's a very tight race. And then you have to factor in all of the um, games in hand. Now, shut up, Alexa. <laughs> or Siri. Um, and we already figured in the, uh, man, games in hand. Because we just d- divided the points by the amount of matches they've played. But, you know, moving forward, I mean, those games in hand are going to be crucial Oh yeah, to a team's final standing. I mean, yeah. you look at Union Omaha right now, they have two games in hand, and if they win those two games in hand, they're back in the playoff, mm-hmm. uh, back above that threshold. Um, you know, Tormenta lost tonight, so they're still below the threshold. So, I mean, this is uh, where I, I don't necessarily think it's crunch time just yet, but you're some of those teams are starting to feel that crunch. Well, I mean, I'm sure there's there's a few teams that if they don't start winning matches, they're, you know, they're in dire trouble. It was just like what you said last week with Union Omaha. I mean, if Union Omaha would have not won the match against Tormenta, I mean, it would have been. It would have almost been curtains for for their playoff chances. So, yeah, and I stand by what I said. It's fair. It's a good take. Yeah. Um, so we do have Tim jumping in with the live chat. Uh, always good to hear from you, Tim, with Ranting Blue Penguin Media. And he says, Rich, you got to stop with the bush light. It does not seem to agree with you. But he also <laughs> hears that the hot shots don't have any carbonation. So you could just down one of those. Yes. Uh, we will be uh, we'll be drinking one of those here very shortly. Uh, <laughs> Brian, I... I was watching those videos again today and I thought to myself, you know, I should buy one for Brian and I, so we can down one of those at the very beginning of an episode. <laughs> All right. Let, yeah, let's do it. That's fine. Okay, cool. All right. I'll, uh, I'll jump on online yeah. tonight and buy a couple for us. <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah. Tim also again, thanks Tim coming in big time already. Uh, Tormento starting to waggle like a bolt that lost its nut. And yeah, they did not look great tonight. Uh, granted, that has a lot to do with Madison being a very well-rounded team right now. Um, so that has a lot to do with it. But yeah, something about Tormenta right now ain't right. Um, Kingsford Ajay had a chance to to score a goal in the first half, and he hit the crossbar. And then Dalton Knutson had a chance in the second half on a corner kick. Mm-hmm. Uh, but couldn't finish it. And then, who was the other one? Uh, was it McQuillia Akale there in late in the second half? I think he late. Yeah, yep. Um, he had that late. curler on the back post. Yep, that so, just went wide left. Yeah, mm-hmm. or it was uh, Burn Shipman who deflected it wide left. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I mean, Tor- oh, US just scored. Uh, so Tormenta had their chances. Um, but they just they just couldn't put it away. And Madison, yeah, they were another strong performance from that win makes it four 
match like a four game winning streak uh for them that's crazy yeah they they ain't nothing to mess with right now that's for sure so yeah now that we've posted the um our power rankings i i feel like we should revise that and like uh tim was saying in the thread there we should probably switch charlotte and madison because oh man uh madison is are showing up yeah so madison currently sits at 25 points and they are at the top of the league yeah and um tim coming in and saying this is the first time in club history they've been the top of the table or so he's read on twitter I was uh, planning on checking to see when the last time they were number one is. So, yeah, I'm glad he he beat me to it. Mm -hmm. I didn't have time with all the last second prep. Yeah. Well, yeah, we've got quite a bit of matches to get into um, from week 15 here. Seven matches in total. So, Um. So if you hear... First off, I have low Wi-Fi setting tonight. And so uh, people, if you don't hear my voice for a little bit, it's just because I dropped off temporarily. I'm going to jump back in here as soon as I can. Uh, I also have a spider that keeps, I don't know how it finds me, to, but it keeps finding me and crawling on me. And I keep like shooing it away. I'm going to have to kill it one of these times. Mm-hmm. But my next step, as everyone knows, is just to burn the house down. Um, that's obviously the next logical step it is yeah i mean that's that's what any sane person would do yeah i tried to lay down for a nap earlier today and lo and behold there it was again it was crawling on me again i I tried to pull the sheets over me and boom it was crawling on me man no bueno i don't like that no bueno you guys just scored again man so I wrote a week fifth or haiku for week fifteen, uh, something new for this week. All right. Um, so looking at the results, I was trying to be a little creative with this. Uh, so my haiku is: Liam scores again, one more penalty for Knox, and table too close to call. I like it. So that's my week fifteen haiku. Man, yeah, I'm not. I'm not a big poetry guy, but that moved me. I'm on I'm on the verge of tears right now. So I can I can see the the tears. Yeah. You have that mighty uh, big box of Kleenexes next to you. I, you know, I know that's what you're using them for. So yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. All right, let's jump in first. Man. We so, talk about soccer on this show, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> In uh, week 15, we had three clubs who played twice. We had Chattanooga Red Wolves, we had Union Omaha, and we had one Knox. There was only one club who had a bye week, and that was North Carolina. So the first match of the week, man, this was a doozy. It was Wednesday night, first one of the evening. Greenville hosting Chattanooga, and that team just never stopped taking their foot off the gas. I guess I should say Liam McKinnon never stopped taking his foot off the gas. Yep. As uh, Brian said, first player in League One history to score four goals in a single match. And he had the quickest hat trick in League One history. This guy had an incredible performance. Yeah. He's, yeah. And, he, uh, 
just completely insane. I mean, it. Let's see. That was. Uh, 13 minutes is that what it is 13 minutes uh, for hat trick he scored his third goal in the 22nd minute first in the ninth so yeah, yeah it should so be 13 ninth, right ninth 11th and 22nd so yeah he scored three goals in 13 minutes um just yeah just crazy and to add insult to injury, the one goal that was awarded to Chattanooga wasn't because they scored the goal. It was because Greenville scored the goal. Uh, Nate Schultz had an own goal there in the 11th minute. So, yeah. Jimmy Weekly, um, or no, this was uh, the last match for Ziggy. Um, so Ziggy got one off of Greenville in that match, but not because of anything he did. Yeah, I was going to say, did he really, though? Yeah. <laughs> He did, but did he? And with the four goals that Lyon McKinnon scored, that brought his total goals of the year up to six goals. And so I feel like when the player, the Greenville players came off the field, Lyon McKinnon, you know, was very gracious to the PR. I'm This is all fictionalized, just in my head. Uh, and you know that Lucas Coutinho was very, you know, much the same way talking to the press. I'm glad we got the win. I'm glad we got the three points. This is a big step for the club. I can only imagine going into the locker room and Lucas Coutinho having four total goals this season, looking at Liam and saying, what the fuck, man? It took you three. <laughs> it took you this one match to get four goals. And it took me this entire season to score four goals. What the hell, man? Mm-hmm. I bet that was a lot of fun in, in that locker room. Oh, had to have been. Yeah. And so, I okay, I got to say this. When you are playing Greenville, as the opponent, just don't attack along your right side because you're going straight at Tyler Pollock. And we've seen week after week after week excellent performances from this one guy. Mm-hmm. He is like the defensive stalwart of his side of the field. Just don't attack along that side. If you try, you're going to fail. Mm -hmm. So bring it all onto the other side. I know that Greenville has good players on the other side as well, but at least you have a better chance against them than you do against Tyler Pollock. Yeah. I mean, that's it. This league comes a lot of time down to just matchups, and that's not a matchup most teams are equipped to win. So yeah. it it exactly like you said, like why would you keep attacking down the side with one of the best defenders in the league? Just doesn't make any sense. Yep. I just don't get it yet. It continues to happen every single time. I know you got to line up players on that side of the field. It doesn't mean you have to carry the ball down that side of the field. You can always try to work around them. You can always try to create havoc over there with, you know, additional personnel to try to create, you know, triangles to pass around them and everything, but nope, nope. Everyone just wants to go one-on-one at Tyler and it's not going to work. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's crazy. And that just is one of those things too. Um, with Charlotte, you just, or Chattanooga, excuse me, with Chattanooga, you just, that's one of those things that you see them do and you just don't understand how they can continue to do this kind of thing. Yeah. 
It's just shooting themselves in the foot with being bad management or, you know, players just wanting to do their own thing. It's, it's one of those two things. Um, and it obviously didn't work. And, but we see that from them every single week and eventually they should learn, you would think. Um, but right now it's just really not looking good for, for chat at all. Um, and I doubt bringing in Jimmy weekly is going to change their, change their fortunes too much. Um, I mean, it did last year. So, I mean, he's proven that he can do it, but this is a new year with significantly less talent. And so it's going to be very difficult for them to replicate the kind of success that they had last season with the players that they currently have. Do you think Ziggy was already getting the boot or do you think that he was just on very thin ice and this was, this was the straw that broke the camel's back? Um, well, I was, it looked like Ziggy was fired the day before um, the Greenville match. So they must've had, um, oh. they must've had Jimmy ready, ready to go already. I mean, getting, having him brought back and everything like that. And then, um, Naming him interim, I mean, you had to think there was something going on. Um, yeah. They already, the writing was on the wall. They already knew what was going to happen, and they were just waiting for the opportune moment or whatever the reason was that they had. Um, but, I mean, even if Ziggy had held on one one more match, you know, it. I think at that point, with their run of form that they've had, it's just the writing was there, and we all yeah. knew it was coming. It was just a matter of time. Yep. All right, so I threw those candidates at you for the three stars. I'll let you run through those. Yeah. Um, obviously, the the first star is going to go to Liam McKinnon. Four goals, fastest hat trick in league history. We don't even need to talk about the rest of his stuff. Um, except I do want to point out he only played 78 minutes. <laughs> Four goals in 78 minutes. Not even a so full lazy. Yeah, so I mean, lazy. you can't go for five, six, you know? Come on. Just take over the golden boot race in one match. Yeah. Man. So he gets, obviously, gets the first one. Um, the second star is going to go to Tyler Pollock. Um, 90 minutes. One assist, two chances created, 14 passes into the final third. Not that Greenville needed help doing that. Four interceptions, 10 recoveries, and was only dribbled past one time. So, um, obviously, we were just talking about him earlier, but Tyler Pollock obviously gets a, a nod as well. And because I like to be fair, um, the third, it's for me, it's going to go to... Um, Excuse me, Mo Espinosa, my boy Mo. I've been a a big fan of Mo Espinosa since since I've seen him play. Uh, ninety mon- ninety minutes. Excuse me, eighty one percent passing accuracy, two chances created, five passes into the final third, six recoveries, and he earned five fouls. Five fouls. That's and he crazy. earned them. And I mean, it, yeah. let's let's just say it's not hard to get Greenville to foul people. They're they're a very foul heavy team. Um, but they do it in moderation. Like they can, 
ride that line of this could possibly lead to yellow territory, but it doesn't. Let's see. I want to see where Greenville ranks in their fouls. Union Omaha is, is the top with 14.4 fouls per match. Fouls and conceded? Greenville, yeah. Greenville's not far behind with 13 fouls. Yep. Yeah, same. So. Man. So. Kind of interesting. Rich, I have a question for you now. Ooh, let's do this. So. Um, excuse me. Looking at Greenville's current run of form, in their last five, they have three draws and two wins. Are we possibly seeing a return of the Greenville of yesteryear with the current run of form that they're on now? Uh, Greenville is certainly a club that has that never say die attitude. Um, I'm look when I look at their last five, they're undefeated. I want to see how far that goes into their season, how far they are undefeated. Oh, no, that's not the one I want to go to. Um, because I have them and well, another characteristic of Greenville is if they're able to keep you in a low scoring affair, that spells trouble for you and your club. Mm -hmm. And that's a very typical, um, attribute of Greenville soccer. Let me see. Yeah. So their last five, they're undefeated. Uh, and that's as far as that streak goes. Um, so yeah, if we, are we seeing the return of the old Greenville? I don't know if we're seeing the return of the old Greenville, but we're seeing, um, characteristics of that old team. So yes, I, I feel like we're headed in that direction. I don't know that I'm fully ready to commit to saying, yes, this is um a greenville of yesteryear sure um but in your last five and you're getting nine points you're gonna you're gonna climb the table i think they are so they're just on the outside looking in they have 16 points and the playoff threshold is set at 19 um and it looks like they have just as many matches as the a lot of the teams above them so obviously the only exception being northern colorado exactly is yeah. sitting so on the big, 11. the biggest thing is that they're just waiting for one of the teams above them to to falter and that's exactly what greenville is really good at doing they have that kind of patience and they've benefited from it in the past and i fully intend on them doing it again proving us Riding in this season, I mean, look at last last season, they finished second place. All they had to do is keep consistent with their results and wait for other teams to falter. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that um, completely. I mean, it. this is, I, I don't think, uh, see how I want to phrase this. Greenville does get a lot of credit for what John Harts is able to do out there. Um, but it's a very warranted 
uh, praise for him. He, the, he's one of those coaches that always seems like no matter what what run of form that they're sitting on, um, he never panics and never falters from the original idea for the identity of the club. And they just keep chugging along. And exactly like what you said, they just keep rolling out results. They might not be perfect results. They might not be, you know, always be the cleanest team in the world, but they get results and uh, they're a lot more consistent than the majority of teams in this league. And consistency is going to get you into the playoffs at the very least. So, um, I mean, yeah, the, you have to put a lot of, a lot of credit on John Hart um, for Greenville's continued, continued run of consistency and success. Yeah, like you were saying, they don't panic. I I can't remember the last time I saw them uh, panic. I mean, they they seem to have that that constant belief and faith not only in their system but in their coaching staff and each other. Um, like you said, I mean, John Harks is is a coach that he knows what it takes to get result to get results. The players on the field have faith in that system. And as long as they stay true to the system that he puts in place, they're going to make it happen. And yeah, they're going to continue being successful. So that's, yeah, that's just sort of the Greenville way. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. All right. Next match was also on Wednesday night. I think we talked a little bit about this one. It was Omaha hosting one Knox. Uh, ended up with a one-one draw. Um, so it was kind of hard to. So Noe Meza had that amazing uh, free kick in that match, and it was kind of hard to to imagine voting for for that kick. Following all the news of Ryan McKinnon with Greenville in the, in the earlier match, I mean, it just seemed to overwhelm all the news. And for goal of the week, I can't remember which three were up for goal of the week. Um, but hopefully, I can't remember if Noe's was up for um, goal of the week. I don't remember. I did not vote in goal or save of the week this week. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, you have to think that, man, I really want to go check that, but I, I don't want to waste time. Uh, Lion McKinnon, you have to think that one or two of his goals would be up there. Hopefully, Noe's would be up there because, oof, that was a really good free kick. Just barely mm-hmm. over the the wall and then dipped right into that near post corner. Goalie couldn't – I mean, he's outstretched, still couldn't get it. Yeah. And Tim coming in and clarifying Noe's was in the goal that we can uh... – Good. That's what I'm talking about. But, um, yeah, this was another case of Omaha giving up an equalizer. Uh, So, in the 90th plus uh, two minutes, Ilya uh, Ilya Illich uh, converted the PK Mm -hmm. that was uh, awarded to one Knox. So, I did a little research. After this match alone, Union Omaha had played 12 matches. In 12 of those matches, 10 of them featured a goal from either one of the clubs. Of those 10 matches, seven of them, Union Omaha scored first. And look at where they are in the standings. Look at their record. I mean, that tells you enough of 
some of the the things that we're we're seeing as Union Omaha fans. Um, it's frustrating seeing them give up so many equalizers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they've given up eight equalizers this season. Yeah, which is far and away above the uh, the rest of the club or the rest of the league. Now, if you look at the the second match that Union Omaha had with the two zero victory over Tormenta. Once again, obviously, because they won 2-0, they scored first. So that's eight uh, matches out of 11 that they've uh, scored first. So, I mean, they're just, they're just keeping that, that streak rolling. I mean, they are a team that can score first, but they, they aren't necessarily good at finishing. And that's what we saw here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, uh, I... Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, I mean, it, you also have to put a lot of credit on Wadnock's defense. Um, yes. Yeah. They played a very compact style defense that forced Union Omaha to try to pass the ball around them to um, to create shots. And Omaha is not particularly skilled at passing you to death and, and passing into the into the slot. Um to try to score goals that just isn't in their repertoire. They, even though they try to play that possession based, um, style of play, they just don't have enough players able to make those runs in behind or the players to get the passes in behind when players do make runs. So they do rely on some pretty stellar kicks from the likes of Doe Mezla to, to really facilitate the majority, vast majority of their scoring. So um, that's an issue, but one, all credit to one knocks in that one for knowing exactly how they had to, to try to beat union Omaha and they forced them to play a game that they are not good at. Yeah. Yep. And just like you were saying, you know, Omaha, they do like to pass a lot. We see that we see it in the stats. We see it on the field. The biggest problem is that passing happens along the back line, swinging the ball back and forth, maybe passing up to the mids and then dropping back to the back line again. There's not a whole lot of penetration into the final third. And that's where you're seeing a lot of uh, lackluster offensive performances. Another thing that we have to watch out for is players getting into the final third and then fighting for their space. Too many players will find space, but then once the ball is coming at them or a defender starts to mark them, they aren't doing anything with their body to to shield uh, from the incoming ball to allow them to gain possession or to create a, an opportunity on goal from that that cross coming in or, or whatever it is. Um, so yeah, it, it just further feeds into that that mentality of the the lackluster offense. Mm-hmm. But like you said as well, all credit to One Knock because they have a very disciplined defense, and yeah. that was on full display Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. So I know that when we uh, posted the teaser for last week's episode, One Knocks, you know, they posted that that you know funny gif in the comment of our of our tweet. But at the same time, if they listened to the whole segment, they would have heard all the compliments that we were you know, directing their way because we generally do have good things to say about one knocks, even though we may not feel that they're going to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and I mean, I I said it last last week, and I said it almost every week on the podcast when we talk about him. But I don't think it's for lack of of skilled players. I think it's just a lack of experience in League One. League Two and League One are two completely different animals. Yeah. So, um, it's really not down to the fact that their players can't play in this league because obviously they can, but it's due to being league two players that are coming up to league one. I mean, and you know, they, they could come out and prove me wrong. Um, they have a opportunity to, um, they're still sitting in, um, fifth place right now. So, um, and just went up to Richmond and tied the kickers too. So yeah, they're definitely a team that, that could shock some people, but I think just the length of the season alone is going to be the, the thing that is their downfall this season. Yeah. And the guy on their team that I think I like to watch the most, I think this is a fairly easy choice, but Derek Waldeck, the guy is just so dang good. It's just, it's crazy. Uh, the things that, and he's, I mean, he's on defense. Like I, he's, he's doing things that are just like i don't know it, it it he's a lot of fun to watch and when you see him in person it it makes you gain a whole new appreciation for the 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 play that he's bringing to the field yeah definitely definitely so we'll go ahead and jump into the uh the stars um for the first one um i'm actually not going to go with a goal scorer. Um, this one's actually going to be uh, Derek Waldeck. 89 minutes, 78% passing accuracy, nine passes into the final third, and nine recoveries. So just doing the full, the full gambit of work. I mean, playing defense and facil- trying to facilitate an offensive attack. So he gets my first, my first one. Um, the second one, uh, it. Really have to be hard pressed to not give it to Noe Meza for that free kick goal. Um, played all ninety minutes, had the goal, and three recoveries. But I also want to combine these two and go ahead and throw in Illich in there for just, I mean, an astounding, astounding penalty kick. I mean, sent Nuhu the wrong way and just buried it. And I'll say that the crowd over in. Like one nineteen was was not making it easy for him over there. So yeah, um, that's not a an easy goal or an easy goal to try to take a penalty on for sure. Yeah. So for the third, um, it's between I got it's between Dolabella and Villalobos, but I think I'm gonna give it to Villalobos. Um, played all ninety minutes. 80% passing accuracy, four passes into the final third, five interceptions, which is huge, um, especially playing in the midfield like he does. Nine recoveries, and he earned three fouls. Um, and just, for me, I, I, I have to give the nod more to one knocks on this one because I think they just played a more complete match and just played a better match than you know Maha did, so they deserve more of the credit. And Jimmy Villalobos is another one of those players where good on one knocks for making that signing because mm-hmm. 
man, uh, he's he's another guy that that keeps busy and he produces. So that was that was a crucial signing for them, for sure. All right, let's jump into Madison and Lexington, where, uh, man, this one was pretty hectic. Yeah, it, uh, another huge attendance number. I do want to shout that one out. Um, yeah, four thousand five hundred and seventy-two for Madison. So, I mean, continuing to show up and show out for their team. So good on, good on the Flamingo fans out there. Um, but yeah, it was a thriller. It, I mean, it didn't look early on. It looked pretty much all all Madison. I mean, Lexington had some chances, but Madison just looked more composed. Um, you had your first goal in the 18th minute by Nazim Bartman, uh, Jaden Onan with the assist. And then in the 35th minute, Jake Kroll all on his own with a beautiful shot. Just I don't know if he meant to do it or not. It looked like it maybe went off, maybe was a little bit of a mishit, but it curled into that top corner beautifully. Yeah. So let's give him uh let's give him credit where credit is due and uh say he did it on purpose. <laughs> um but then in the thirty-eighth minute, Lexington pulls one back. Nico Brown assisted by Charlie Mat uh Mashall. So um Lexington did not go down without a fight for sure. And that goal really seemed like it sparked a whole lot of life in that Lexington team. Yeah. And it, that also seems to be, I know we've talked about them being inconsistent inside of a match, but if they can do more things like this to kind of spark, you see a major difference in this team when that belief kind of sets in and they're like, Oh, okay, I guess we can do this. Um, so they, Honestly, they need to be doing more. Obviously, they need to be doing more scoring, but if they can just play with that same level, and of course, it's a broken record at this point, but they need to play a consistent full 90 minutes and they will be a good team. It's just they still somehow cannot put a full 90 minutes on the field. Um, and the 43rd minute, Christian Chaney, all on his own. I mean, it's Christian Chaney. What more can you really say? The dude is a stud. Um. And it looked like it was going to be maybe a match in the 60th minute where Lexington pulls another one back. Um, Nico Brown, uh, assisted by Balogun. Um, and again, it just too little too late for, for Lexington. It just, yeah. because when Madison can sit there and bunker down, we've seen this season that they, their defense can get super tight when it needs to. Um, and it just, Unfortunately for Lexington, Madison just got out to that three-goal lead, and it's not much you can do. Three goals is really hard to get over. Yeah, I feel like with the amount of momentum that Lexington builds as the match proceeds, if matches were 100 minutes instead of 90 minutes, Lexington would have a completely different record than what they do. Mm -hmm. um, when you have players like Tate Robertson, uh, Khalid Balagoon, um, uh, those guys, you know, jumping in. And when you have support like Charlie Mitchell uh, and Nico Brown, I mean, there's just, they have the offensive uh, power to make things happen. They have plenty of speed too. That's the biggest thing. 
one of the things that you're seeing from Lexington is their ability to not only deliver a lot of long passes, but they're able to connect on them as well. So they do a really good job of stretching defenses and which is putting a lot more 1v1 strain on back lines and defenders. But that's a strength for Lexington because their offensive players uh, can go at defenders 1v1 and they can win those those battles. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, like I said, if they were if they could go to 100 minutes instead of 90 minutes, Lexington would be in a, in a better um, would be in a better place in the standings uh, with their statistics and everything. I just, they just need to, to, you know, it's when you go to like a movie or you go to like a stand-up comedian and, um, you know, if the movie was, or the stand-up act was like an hour or it, it, say, say it was an hour and a half, mm-hmm. but if it were an hour, think of how amazing it would be. And when you left the, the, the theater, you'd be thinking, holy crap, like I can't stop talking about how amazing this was. But if you add on that extra half hour, like you're just like, oh, come on, man. Like I feel empty here. It's the reverse for Lexington. Like if there were an extra 10 minutes, they'd be stellar. Yeah, I I agree. Um, And we also have Michael coming into the chat. Michael uh, Fuse um, saying Diouf was robbed again by a bad offsides call. I remember seeing that. Fair. Yes. Um, I agree. There were a few a few bad offsides calls uh this weekend. Um but again, I'm not going to blame the referees for it. I mean, it's it's difficult and at this point we really just got to learn learn to live with it, but it is a little bit weird that he in particular somehow gets another bad offside call. I mean, that yeah. that makes like what three or four already in the past like yeah. three matches it just it's it's insane. Um, so yeah, I, I guess we can move on to the uh, the star winners for this one. Cool. Um, for the first one, uh, it's gonna go to Jake Krull. Um, ninety minutes, one goal, eighty-five percent passing, seven passes into the final third, five clearances, and five recoveries. So we're just doing the most. And like I said, I'm just going to give him credit thinking that he intentionally shot the ball that way. So So he gets the first one. Um, The second one. We're going to go with uh, Charlie Machel. 74 minutes, one assist, 88% passing accuracy. Seven passes into the final third, 83% long ball accuracy, which is huge, um, and five recoveries. And that long ball accuracy is huge because of what you said, Rich, but just how much speed Lexington has. They can get out and, I mean, I guess pun intended, they can get on their horses and ride pretty pretty damn fast. So um, that's only going to help them when you can play the long ball that well. Yep. And the third one, I've got to go with, with Nazim Bartman. Only 63 minutes, but had a goal, 83% passing accuracy, five passes into the final third, and 
on his long ball accuracy. I think he was the one who had the, the goal tonight in Madison's match too. So uh second straight week yeah. for goals for him. Mm-hmm. Good on him. Yeah. I like those choices. That was a tough one though. I mean, uh, yeah. both of those teams had a plethora of options that you could have chosen. And I don't think any of them could have been wrong. Yep. I feel like the the next one's going to be tough to pick among those candidates too. So let's jump right into that one. Yeah. We got Richmond hosting one Knox. This one I was already excited about before it even began. Um, and it, yeah, it lived up to the hype. It was, it was a good one. Yeah, for sure. Um, the attendance well attended again, another, another match that was well attended in Richmond, 3,863. Um, a little bit below what they're usually getting, but still really good turnout um, by Richmond out there. And Terzaghi got it started in the seventh minute, uh, assisted by Simon Fitch. Just, again, another one of those guys. Um, I do want to point out that it was that in this match, he got his 50th USL one goal. And it was that seventh minute one. The seventh minute one. Yeah. So 50 goals for him, obviously three-time golden boot winner guy scores a lot of goals. <laughs> so, uh, you know, those North Korean uh, military leaders, how that's like their whole chest is like full of medals. Yeah. Like if they had a, if they had a, a medal for USL league one players, that would be Terzaghi. Like if he were to wear like a, a letterman's jacket, it would just be like full of, League One medals. Oh yeah, All, a bunch of accolades. Of yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, his his shelves are in need of some reinforcement with how much hardware this dude gets from this league. So yeah. Um. But I mean, in the 69th minute, nice one. Knox gets uh gets one back. It was from a uh, Dakota Barnathan own goal. So I mean, that was that was kind of a. Thing that's been going on recently there's been quite a few own goals yeah in the league at this there past were, week. yeah so keep your ears open you'll hear at least one more after this one yep um but i mean that pulls one knocks within you know tied up here um and eventually to take the lead two minutes later in the 71st um illich again um uh, getting another goal here assisted by Derek waldeck so couple big names coming through for one knocks um but then again i mean the fireworks did not stop and from the 68th minute to the 80th minute especially um terzaghi gets converts on a pk to tie the match and ends up being two to two one knocks in richmond yep and we give terzaghi well at least okay Brian doesn't. I do. I give him a lot of shit on this show. Not afraid to admit it. I stand by what I say, but I will also say that for him to get his 50th and 51st in this match, congratulations, Emiliano Terzaghi. Uh, you deserve all the praise and the hype and all that kind of stuff that you've been getting on social media uh, from League One, from the fans, from the community at large. So congratulations on, on that milestone. That's awesome. I agree. Yeah. But I mean, this this is a strange match. Um, 
these are two two teams if you look at the table they're right next to each other they're both sitting on right now they're sitting on 21 points so they're both sitting on 20 points at the time right next to each other in the table with identical records and one Knox has the slight advantage for a goal differential but it's two goals for them to Richmond's one goal differential these are essentially the same team playing each other which is why I think it was so fascinating to watch the match because they also play in a similar style their defense can be stifling at times but they also are able to really open it up and be able to poach goals um for both sides when they really want to so um it's really weird to see it's like the spider-man meme when they're both looking at each other and pointing at each other that was this match in a nutshell so the only fitting way for it to end was a draw yep and i when i provided the candidates for you to choose from i genuinely thought about putting jordan skelton in there but i feel like the the way that he gave uh one knocks that that pk uh late in the match i just i couldn't i couldn't give him sure. the nod in that in that list another one knocks penalty or no it was uh oh oh my gosh it was oh what am i thinking um it was um one knocks had the the penalty earlier in the week i'm thinking of yeah, it was Jordan Skelton for One Knox who, who jumped on Terzaghi's back, mm-hmm. and that's he here in the uh, the PK there. So yeah, it was Jordan Skelton. That I was yeah, I was yeah, I was thinking something else. Yeah, yep. No, I, I genuinely thought about putting Jordan uh, Jordan Skelton in here, but I decided against it at the last second. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know that I would have picked him for that particular, particular one, but um, for the first one. Yeah, it's not not super easy. Um, yeah. I feel like you got to go with Terzaghi, right? 90 minutes, yeah. two goals, three passes into the final third, four recoveries, and he earned two fouls, and, I mean, one of which, obviously, penalty. So, um, yeah, I think being involved in two goals, that's going to get you a good one. Um, this is where it kind of gets hairy. Yep. For sure. Um, I was looking at him when we were talking too, and I still don't have. <laughs> Let's go with Jalen Chrysler. 90 minutes, 93% passing accuracy, five passes into the final third. It was a perfect seven for seven on accurate long balls and seven recoveries. And that accurate long balls is one of those stats, too. I, I know I've talked about it before, but the league does not pass the ball long or cross the ball very accurately on as a whole at all. It's yeah. They're like in the 30s and maybe 40s at times, yeah. percentage-wise for that. So to hit 100% is insane. So uh, hopefully it's we're being graded on a curve, and now the entire class will go up. Because he hit 100%. Um, and for the last one, she's. 
And I have to go with Derek Waldeck. 88 minutes, one assist, 83% passing accuracy, created six chances himself, had four recoveries, and he earned three fouls. That's that's doing some work. So you know how Emiliano Terzaghi, I mean, he's he has what six total goals on on the year. I think he's in he's tied for third in the Golden Boot now. Yes, um, I feel like now that he started scoring, we're we're getting in that part of the season where it's like, oh, yep, Terzaghi, Terzaghi, Terzaghi mm-hmm. with with the goal sheet. Yeah, um, every single season with Richmond. It makes me think of that scene at the end of Incredibles where the family is sitting in the stands watching Dash in the track meet and he starts sprinting like big time yes. and they keep telling like, hold back, hold back, hold back, like got to make it a race. And so he like holds back a little bit, but then he barely wins at the very end. I feel like that's, that's Richmond in a nutshell. Like they're looking at Terzaghi like, okay, hold, hold on. We know you can score 10 tonight. Just dial it back. Only do two. And you can win the golden boot at the end of the season. We'll let you run wild at the end. Yeah, you get all the personal accolades at the end of the season and not yeah. halfway through it. Sure. Yeah. You gotta make it interesting. <laughs> Give the other kids a chance. That's a perfect analogy. I love it. Yeah. Coincidentally, one of my favorite movies that I've seen in quite a long time. The kids don't like it as much, which kind of hurts. Really? But they're oh not huge fans of it, but they go through phases. They'll watch stuff like until it's not funny anymore and then yeah. they won't want to watch it ever again. So it was man, I was I was a really big fan of that one too. And the soundtrack too was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um I got to play uh some of the soundtrack and man, I'm glad I was not a trumpet player because they go super high. Oh I bet. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we can move on to I mean probably the most entertaining match of yeah, the entire slate here. Chattanooga drawing with Charlotte two to two. Um, obviously, um, obviously a big turnout. Two thousand six hundred and seventy fans. That's Chattanooga for you. They show out. Um, so in the sixteenth minute, uh, Charlotte scores first, and Joel Johnson assisted by Ibarra, obviously. Um, again, Charlotte doing Charlotte things, getting on the scoreboard early and often, um, just like they did in the 39th minute. (coughs) Sorry. Um, with, uh, Ryan JJ, Ryan JJ. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Thank you. And assisted by, uh, Flanagan. So Charlotte, Jumping out to a pretty early lead, and that is pretty much Charlotte's MO. They do like to score early, and they do like to score often. So um, it did not seem like Chattanooga had a whole lot of life going into halftime and all the way up until the 60th minute. Um, Chattanooga ends up pulling one back. Pedro Hernandez uh, scores, assisted by Riley Kraft. And then, of course, in typical... Chattanooga fashion, they shoot themselves in the foot in the 77th minute. And Omar uh, Gomez receives a red card. Um, So now they're playing down a man, down a goal to one of the best teams in the league. 
and it looks like it's over. Um, but in the 90th minute, plus seven, somehow in a flurry of of just insane plays, being unable to clear the ball um, for Charlotte, uh, Chattanooga gets their second goal in and ties the match. Siobhan Marsh, all on his own, um, puts it in and because Charlotte failed to be able to clear a ball and, and finish out a match while up a man. Which is not something, not something you would think would happen with this Charlotte team this year. Yeah. <clears throat> At the uh, man, that's huge bragging rights for for Chattanooga to not only tie Charlotte but do so while a man down. Mm-hmm. That's like salt on the wound, man. You had three points in the bag. Yep. Yeah, and I think that match ended up that was was that can't remember exactly how many minutes of stoppage time. Was that after the original end of stoppage time or I think they wasn't it pretty high actually? I don't remember. I feel I feel like there was like ten minutes of stoppage time in that match. I have to go back and look at it. I should have done that earlier, but um anyway. Ninetieth plus seven, but yeah, I mean and this was the first match with Jimmy Weekly as the as the head coach um, or interim head coach, however you want to call it. Right now, he's coaching the team. Um, and when he took over the reins last season, his first result was a draw as well. So if that's any indication of what can be done with um, Jimmy Weekly at the helm with Chattanooga, I might have been wrong. And Chattanooga might be able to turn it around, you know. Um, and Let's Tim see. coming in, uh, ranting Blue Penguin Media again, Tim, saying the end of match was 90 plus 11. 11. That's crazy. That's like World Cup style right there. <laughs> yeah. When we're seeing like 12, 15 minutes, all that stuff. You know what? If If that's really what it's supposed to be, then I'm all for it. Let's play it. Yeah, exactly. It's free soccer, you know? It's like when baseball goes into extra innings and it's free baseball. Yeah. Love me some free soccer. Doesn't bother me a bit. I get to sit there and watch it. Yeah, right? Oh, so my three stars on this one. It's so hard with all of these matches this week. There was no really runaway runaway winners with too many of these matches. Um I think for my first one, I'm going to give it to uh, the guy who drew the match for Chattanooga and Siobhan Marsh. He only played 17 minutes, had one goal and three recoveries in those 17 minutes, but was dispossessed one time. But I think that uh, that goal in stoppage time makes up for that being dispossessed. Super sub. Yeah, I'll take it. That's Chattanooga's MO. I mean... You remember them last season with um, Mensingen? Yeah. Super sub. They they know how to bring in guys. Jimmy Weekly just knows what guy needs to be on the field at what time, I guess. So yeah. now if he could just figure out what guy needs to be on the field at the beginning of the match, yep. watch out, it's over. Chattanooga's got it wrapped. Um, so for the second one, 
going to go with Ryan JJ. Um, 77 minutes, one goal, 93% passing accuracy. Three passes into the final for the third, a perfect 4 of 4 on accurate long balls with five recoveries as well. So, um, again, those accurate long balls in a league where accurate long balls don't happen that often, that'll get you some. And for my final candidate here, between Kraft and Johnson but I think I'm leaning more towards Kraft and again it's because I think this is a more impressive result for Chattanooga than it is anything for Charlotte um, but Riley Kraft 90 minutes one assist 82% passing two chances created seven passes into the final third and four out of five accurate long balls so again one of those things that if you can pass the ball accurately over long distances in this league you're going to Put your team up in an advantage, especially when a lot of these strikers have the ability to run under balls because they are just quicker than the defenders in this league. So, um, that being said, it is a, I don't want to say troubling result for Charlotte, but Charlotte's also trending in the wrong direction here. Um, in their last two matches, they've lost to one Knox and then drew Chattanooga and their next up this week is a is a big one they've got NCFC which is sitting at second in the table so um might be time for them to be double checking what they got to get done and trying to figure out what what they were doing at the beginning of the season and kind of get back to that so yeah you said in the last five Charlotte has won 10 points, but in the last three, Charlotte's only won four points. Correct. So they're having they're having a drop off right now. And I don't know what's going on, but this is not the time to start faulting. No. No, especially when you got teams like Northern Colorado right under you, Knoxville yeah. right under you, Richmond right under you. I mean it these are not teams you want to be able, you know not teams you want to be dropping any points around because they, they all seem like they know how to get it done. And was this one of those clubs at the beginning of the season where you were talking about they were going to be all offense and no defense? Uh, yeah, Charlotte and NCFC both. Um, I kind of felt that way. Um, I mean, I, w I won't say that I'm, wrong but i'm definitely no. not not right um no i'm i'm definitely not uh trying to guide you toward that direction um but i'm i'm just saying you know if if this you know if their recent perfor performances are going to continue i mean you could very well be right yeah i mean they're sitting on a sixth goal differential right now um i mean third in the table so they're they're still not sitting too bad. Um so yeah. the sky is not falling, but just one of those things, I mean, with teams that high on the table, honestly you have to find something to nitpick with them. So um True. Yeah. One one giveaway result that they probably should have won. Is it gonna sink the ship? No, but is it a little maybe a little bit troubling and cause for a little bit of concern? Yeah, I think so. 
Yeah, that's a good point. All right, so then the next match on Saturday night was Union Omaha hosting Tormenta. Um, Union Omaha took the victory 2-0. First one, what, eight matches or something like that? Uh, yes. Yeah, eight matches. Um, is that, I believe that's their first win since April? Yeah, since the Northern Colorado match. Mm-hmm. So... Union Omaha finally getting back on their in their winning ways, I guess. Um, now they have equal number of kits and wins, so walk-in 90s joke is no longer valid at us. <laughs> <laughs> Man, they were going hard on Union Omaha that day. I mean, deservedly so, though. For how much, yeah. for how much shit we talk about Madison and more kits than wins last season, I feel like it's deserved. Yeah, I'm trying to find something here. Yeah, sure. Um, so the attendance for this one was 3,082. And I know me, you, and um, Chip were talking in the group message um, asking if this was the first time this season Omaha's eclipsed that 3,000 number and i'm i don't know if we landed on if that was 100 percent accurate or not but it feels like it is um i think they've been on the cusp of that 3000 number but still have yet to had yet to crack it until this one um but i will say that's a that's a pretty high high attendance number especially with the college world series being in town and not that far away i'm sure a lot of omaha sports fans you know that's that's a big deal around here. If if anybody listening hasn't been to the College World Series out here, it it's huge. Like it, there's setup going up for like a month in advance of it for all the tents and stuff right outside the stadium and everything. So, um, and it brings in a ton of revenue for for the city. So it's it's a Yellow big deal. Alone. Yeah, if, yeah, and if anybody hasn't seen that, yeah. And Tim, uh, right on cue, 68,000 jello shots, don't lie. For LSU alone, wasn't it? Yeah, for LSU alone, yeah. Yeah, I think that, and I mean, they they donate, I don't remember if they said all of it or the majority of it to charity, so it um, it all goes for a good cause, but yeah, it's insane, the amount of CWS stuff that goes on, but um, yeah. So yeah, three thousand's not too bad for that kind of an evening. Yeah, I'll take three thousand. I was mm-hmm. uh, so that was also Pride Night. I think that was an extra draw for uh, some people in the community too. So I, you know, I'm very happy with the three thousand attendance that night. There was plenty of other stuff going on that night that could have taken people away. Mm-hmm. So I'll I'll take three thousand. Yeah, and I mean the atmosphere was really good. Um, it was yeah. as well. Um, and just seeing all of the all of the different pride organizations out there, um, being able to to talk to a few people. My, yeah, the Union Omaha debuted their pride kit. I actually have mine sitting behind me right here. I got my scarf behind me too. I didn't pick up a scarf this year. I haven't yeah. been wearing scarves to matches just because it's been so damn hot every single yeah. time. It's a um, summer scarf. Well, that's good at least. 
Yes. I got the. I got one right there. I got another one right there. And then I got this year's right there. Nice. And Tim also uh, pointing out if, if anybody didn't see um, what Parliament did on the on the berm, the smoke Tifu, uh, they did. Um, they did a rainbow with smoke bombs before the match started. Um, and that was really cool um, to be able to see. So just another another great night. Um, Pride Night always seems to bring out some of the best best atmosphere and the best stuff in not just Omaha, but in this instance particularly. Omaha brought really brought their A game for this one. Yeah. When I talked to Zach beforehand, he told me that they were going to be lighting off or setting off uh, 20 smoke bombs. And I thought to myself, holy shit, man, we're not going to be able to have a supporter section back behind the berm or back on the berm because all you guys are going to get kicked out. And then when I saw them set off the smoke bombs, I thought, oh, okay. Yeah, if there's no way they're getting kicked out now. Yeah, no, not, uh, not for that one. <laughs> yeah, if they kick them out for that, ooh, that's going to start all kinds of a, a shit storm. Right. That was, uh, I'm okay with that smoke bomb. That was cool. Mm. And then yeah. uh, I think it was Peter who set off two smoke bombs, the general manager uh, at the president's suite. During yeah. The match too. yeah, they've been doing... Um... They've been doing smoke in the the owner suite um, the past few matches at Warner, yeah. so that's cool to see as well. It was, um, but in the forty second minute, JP Skiers um, headed a ball in off a off a corner kick, just a line drive corner kick by Connor Doyle, um, and JP doing JP things, getting his head on it and sliding it home. Um, and then didn't look a whole lot like there was going to be a whole lot else going on. Um, but in the 45th plus six minute, Deshaun Nebard, I mean, tries to clear a ball. I saw, I knew exactly what he was trying to do. Just misplays it. And it just loops right over into the net yeah. and just own goals. And I feel like that really kind of killed any, momentum that Tormenta may have had. Although I didn't really feel like Tormenta was Tormenta hasn't been themselves a whole lot this season. Yeah. And in this match too, it it never felt like they were truly threatening Union Omaha. Yeah, I, I truly feel and I know that it was I know that Union Omaha benefited off the the own goal from Deshaun Nemhard. I genuinely feel bad for him in that instance because the low driven ball that was served into the box and the defender the tormented i can't remember which def, uh tormented defender it was that was sliding on the ground to try to clear the ball yeah but it was him and a union omaha player were both going for it at the same time so that's exactly so if if that tormented player didn't go to ground to try to clear that ball i think it was noe Meza was right there he was going to tap it in easily yeah. he was going to tap it in so for that Tormenta player to try to clear it and then for it to go off to Sean uh, Nemhard's leg and into the net, there was nothing to Sean Nemhard could do. No. And I just, I feel bad for him because obviously here we are saying his name associated with the own goal and there was just nothing he could do about it. And yeah, I, I just, I, I feel for the guy, any defender out there has been in that position and you feel helpless and it's just like, I know my name's going on the stat sheet for all the wrong reasons, but <laughs> yeah. there it is. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this this was a big result um, for Union Omaha. Um, you had said before this match that if they didn't win this, they could essentially kiss their playoff hopes goodbye. Yeah. So um, is this going to be a continuing trend every week? Right now I'm screaming believe. Um, <laughs> you know, they're hanging by a very thin thread, but yeah, right now I'm screaming uh, believe. I don't know why League One is reporting that Joe Burrito uh, has the assist on that goal. It was clearly Connor Doyle who took the corner kick. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't know why. When I was going through the stats and everything and I saw that Joe Burrito was awarded the assist, like he – I'm not coming down on Joe Brito at all, but I'm wondering like, how the hell can you give it to Joe? Like it was clearly Connor. Mm-hmm. Um, Connor's very tall. He has dirty blonde, perfectly combed hair. Oh, and I mean, him and Joe Brito there in the corner. And they don't even take the same kind of free kicks or corner kicks. Joe always yeah. has more of an outswinging high playing ball. And yeah. Connor specializes in those line drive balls. And it was yeah. a, definitely a line drive that went right to skiers. I mean, it seems like those two had know exactly where they're going to be. And I think that's kind of the, the nice thing about having two guys that have been on the team, as long as both of those guys have, they, they, he knows if I put the ball here, skiers is jumping up and heading it in. Exactly. And after the match, when I interviewed JP, um, he even mentioned in, in one of his quotes, uh, before that corner kick, I told Connor to drive it to the far post, and he put it right where he needed it to, and JP was there to finish it. I mean, yeah, that that's the, the chemistry that you were just talking about from being mm-hmm. teammates for so many years. Yep. Definitely. So we can jump into our, our three stars. Um, first one. I got to give it to to JP Skiers, the only goal on the opposing team in this one. Um, 90 minutes, one goal, 82% passing accuracy, five passes into the final third and five recoveries. And shout out to JP again for, for wearing the armband in this one and um, getting his first goal with the, with the armband on. So... Um, my second one. This is going to sound like I, I'm kind of pandering to the Union <laughs> Omaha thing, but it's I know re- where you're going. I know it's, where you're going. it's really not. I mean, uh, uh, Toby Otiano played 69 minutes, 86 passing accuracy, one chance created, seven passes into the final third. On a team that didn't score, I mean, he was trying to facilitate that. Um, he was dispossessed twice, but had four recoveries and earned three fouls in total. So, um, I mean, this and to fully support your stance there, even on a night where Toby Otiano doesn't have his best night, he has one of these nights. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how good this guy is as a central midfielder. He's good. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, Allison in the live chat said there was a rumor that Dalton Knutson didn't play because he overslept. If that's the case, can an, an honorary star be given to Dalton's alarm clock? <laughs> if if that is the case, then absolutely, yes. Dalton's alarm clock gets the 
honorary fourth star, <laughs> the rare fourth star. <clears throat> um, and the third one. Man, this is a really tough one. I actually, I think I'm going to go with um, with Jake Dangler, actually, for this third one. Played all 90 minutes, 88% passing accuracy, had 12 chance passes, excuse me, into the final third, and massive eight recoveries. So without some of those recovery runs, this could have been a lot worse, it feels like. Yeah. So um, I'm going to give Dangler that that last star for for making the hustle play. And you guys heard the rant a few weeks back. You know I love hustle plays. So you do. Yeah, I like those those three. Those are good decisions. And Dangler man, yeah. He's he's one of the best last season. He's mm-hmm. certainly on that list again this season. Yeah. So Rich, I want to ask you about Tormenta. Um Ooh, okay. What do you think is happening down in Tormenta that they are just not playing as cohesively as they did last season? And do you think they are going to be able to make a turnaround in? Because we're we're only a couple games away from halfway done with the season for the majority of teams. They don't have a whole lot of time to turn it around do you think it's a possibility for Tormenta to turn it around and go on a, a good run this year? So to answer your first question, uh, what is going on with Tormenta? I think, I think it's, it's very clear what's happening in that locker room. And um, it's that bolt has too much of a, of a say there in the locker room in the tactics. Yeah. It, yeah. It's clearly bolt. Yeah. It's all bolts fault. Yeah. No. Uh, so, um, as far as what's going on, uh, I think they're they're still recovering from a lot of the injuries that they were having, you know, a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, they're still trying to find the right players in the right positions. Um, and then I think it's it's just a matter of them needing to switch up their formation. Uh, you've seen other teams start with a new formation from week one. And you've seen other teams adjust to a new formation as the season has worn on. You haven't seen that as much with Tormenta. And so I think if they were to uh, experiment a little bit, um, they would see some some big benefits from that. Uh, as far as what formation I would maybe go with, um, I would say maybe like a I think they already play with like a 4-3-3, don't they? Uh they, Yeah, I mean it, their formations are really weird because I feel like they have a, such a fluid kind of yeah. free free flowing style that yeah, they start maybe in a 4-3-3, but I think it's more likely that they'll play a lot more with like a two or even three back system. Exactly. So just like everybody else in league one, as soon as they go on offense, they release the wing backs mm-hmm. to help up on offense. Yeah. Um, so I think if they switched, 
this is going to sound this is going to sound a little weird bit unorthodox if they were to go to maybe like a 3232 three, two. so basically like a 352 but with like two center to fit mid uh center oh my gosh central defensive midfielders um to sort of keep everything narrow but at, at the same time allow uh forward progress up the flanks um i think that would give them more opportunities they have such a strong presence there in the middle that they can dictate where they want to go and what they want to do as they're getting into the final third as well as when they are able to establish possession there in the final third um but then obviously you have you know strong attackers up top um who can who have proven that they can score week in week out they just have to be given those opportunities to do so um i don't know, I, I think they just need to, to mess with the formation a little bit i think they have the right players i think they can make a climb if if they do a little bit of experimentation but you know sometimes um you know typically let's so if you were to look at baseball when the yankees were uh, i think this was like the early 2000s like when the yankees would play day in day out you knew exactly who was gonna fill their lineup sheet um and because it was proving proven success every single time you know those players were crazy good they were getting results but when you have that roster of players that tormenta does um and you're getting stagnant results sometimes you just need to mix it up whether it's throwing somebody new in there that we haven't seen quite as much um messing with the formations trying a new tactic like you just you try something new um instead of just doing the the same formation the same tactics the same personnel you just gotta throw some like throw a wrench in the system yeah and that's that's fair that makes sense to me yeah <laughs> I like it. Rich, put your name in the hat for the next uh, next head coach. Uh, Ian Cameron, I'm available. <laughs> there you go. Would that be a, uh, an analyst? Sure, yeah. If they want me as a video analyst, yeah, I'll take it. There you go. I'd support it. I'd give you a good recommendation. Yeah. I could also talk to uh, Michael, the new video analyst at UN in Omaha. I'm sure he would give me a, a recommendation too. There you go. See, that's two. There Plus we you go. Got, you got an entire catalog of shows for them to look back on. Although you might want to cut up some of your, oh. some of the, some of the parts where uh, we talk a little bit of shit, just yeah. maybe leave those out. Especially where I dog on Emiliano Terzaghi, the guy who leads <laughs> the league in all time goals and all that. Yeah. yeah. I should probably clip those out. That's those fair. clips don't exist. Yeah. I don't remember you ever saying that. Never. <laughs> so uh yeah i think this is our our last match of course um northern colorado uh hosting central valley the fire and ice cup um in the 38th minute northern colorado's billy king assisted <clears throat> uh is that lucky opara Oh, yep. Lucky Opara, yep. Opara. 
so bad. I like I can hear the names, but then I second guess myself every single time I like go to read it's it. Like a, it's a disconnect Ico-Para, to my brain. Sporting Kansas City. Yeah. Icopara. Yeah. Lucky Opara. So uh Billy King, um again, that's is another week where he's just strengthening his case for MVP. And I think it's because I said something about it, so now he's He's like, oh, yeah, that's right. I was supposed to win MVP this season. so I was going to bring it up, but you yep. Yep, beat me to it. Yeah, no, I'd, I have to bring it up. <laughs> man, I was really looking forward to him running this league. I had so much faith in him, but still time. Still a little bit over half a season to go. So. Uh, but, yeah, Northern Colorado gets the, gets the win here. I'm, I will fully admit I did not stay up to watch this one. Um, I had other stuff going on around that time. So, um, I mean, also Northern Colorado and Central Valley, two very different ends of the table in this matchup. So I was a little shocked by, yeah, a little shocked by the only one goal for Northern Colorado. But then again, we've seen Central Valley at times this season be a little bit stingy and be able to punch well above their weight class. It's that midfield, man. I'm telling you, that midfield. Mm-hmm. I'm loving what I'm seeing from them. Yeah. So we'll jump into the stars. Um, Billy King gets the first one. Uh, the only goal, obviously, 78 minutes with the goal, 96% passing accuracy, four chances created, three passes into the final third, seven recoveries, and he earned a whopping four fouls. Hmm. Uh, my second one is going to go to uh, Lucky Opara. 90 minutes, one assist, 83% passing accuracy, one chance created, six passes into the final third. And the third one for me is going to be Ozzy Ramos for Central Valley. 90 minutes, 86% passing, two chances created, 10 passes into the final third, and three blocks. So there you go, Rich. The, that midfield shining right here for you there it is right there so i've got actually got a question for you for both of these yes and i have not thrown any of these in the outline so you're getting rich's unfiltered uh responses when i ask him questions um i'm actually going to go with what i think is a little bit more difficult first and then i'll throw you the easy one so central valley we talked about them last week. They had the potential to go on the run. But we looked ahead at their schedule, and this was one of the matches that right away, as soon as you saw Northern Colorado on the schedule, you said, no, that that uh, that winless streak is extending another another week. And it was very quick. Does the way Central Valley played this match against a very good Northern Colorado team change your opinion on that? at all about whether they'll go on the run or when it'll happen and when it'll happen yeah it's coming soon i i feel like i'm one of those doomsday preppers where it's like it's coming soon it's coming it's right around the corner i I can hear it i can smell it it's on the way yeah no i but i'm telling you i i feel like i'm the crazy person on the corner with the sign 
Central Valley is not going to be the wooden spoon winner this season, and they are going to make a climb. It is going to happen soon. We all need to prepare for it. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But like I said, they're not going to win the wooden spoon. I, the way that I'm seeing them play, I just I I have faith in the system that they have, the players that they have, and you start to see that they are believing the system that they have in place as well. Um, and I think that's why you haven't seen Vasquez given the boot yet. Um, you know, we've we've seen other coaches have departures um, earlier, but I I think that Vasquez. Um, I'll, I'll I don't mind saying it. I think Vasquez will last the entire season. I because of the fact that Central Valley is about to go on a run. Um. Now, their only match this week is against Union Omaha. Mm-hmm. So naturally, I want to say that um, that streak is, or, you know, that run is going to be delayed for another week. But I don't know. Um, Central Valley has been looking good against quality competition. They're keeping it within one goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, what, that's four weeks in a row that they've held competition from clubs above the playoff threshold to a one goal difference. I just, if they are able to limit, if they're able to keep, keep it within one goal, um, reduce the amount of goals that the opposition has had. Cause in the past five weeks, central Valley has given up one, two, four, eight, nine goals in five matches. They gave up four to Northern Colorado and they gave up two to Richmond, but then they gave up one to Madison, Greenville, and then Northern Colorado again. They have the ability to keep these clubs down to one goal. If they're able to stay disciplined and keep them at one goal, they can start earning draws Mm -hmm. and maybe sneak in a win here or there um which would get them above that you know wooden spoon position mm-hmm. i think central valley can do it as far as win i hope it's not i hope it doesn't start this week because i don't want them to see i don't want to see them get a result against union omaha right um so let me take a look while we have that storyline going let me see who they play uh, Tim let us know they play Madison after they play Union oh, Omaha. God, that sucks for them. And then Tim also coming in the next five after Madison are Lexington, Charlotte, Knoxville, Chattanooga, and Tormenta. Ooh. <laughs> and Tim believes your that your run starts with those five matches after Madison. You can get a pretty decent results. I'm I'm assuming he th- he's thinking that they'll at least be able to get. I mean, you should be able to get three of those teams. You have a pretty decent shot at playing. But I mean, if they play up to the level that they, I mean, have been playing at exactly like you said, keeping them to one goal and maybe finding a way to get two, I could see them having a shot with some of those teams. And exactly what you said, right, right then and there, that was the exact scoreline when they beat Ford Madison earlier this month. Mm-hmm. So 
Tim's saying he's seeing 10 points in those f- last five after Madison. Wow. That's some high wow. praise there. That's. Yeah. That's a uh, Northern Colorado level results right there. Mm-hmm. Man. All right. Well, that'll be fun to watch. Mm-hmm. I'm glad it'll come after they they've played in Union Omaha. The thing is, too, though, with Union Omaha, they're they're one of those teams that seems like they. I don't want to say they play down to an opponent's level, but they don't seem to play their most cohesive matches against teams perceived lesser than them. Yeah. And I think the the streak is still alive that Central Valley has never defeated Union Omaha in Fresno. So that's another thing that goes in Union Omaha's uh, favor. But at the same time, that Central Valley midfield, man. I know I, I keep I keep harping on it, but that's a good midfield. Yep. And so my question for you for Northern Colorado, it's, I mean, it's not really fair because you asked me the same question, but Right now, Northern Colorado is sitting on seven goals allowed. They play Charlotte next. Do you think their streak of being under double-digit goals allowed survives for another two weeks? Yes. Uh, I think they can keep Charlotte at... I'll I'll gift them one goal. And then they play Chattanooga. Chattanooga. And I'll say they give... I'll say they get a a clean sheet against Chattanooga. Oh, they're going going to the den, though. Mm -hmm. So I'll I'll give Chattanooga a goal there. So that's nine. That's nine. And they play one Knox. I think they can uh, hold one Knox to a clean sheet. I know they're playing in Knoxville. Mm-hmm. But I think they can hold Knoxville to a clean sheet. And then they host Union Omaha. And I think that's when they give up their 10th their goal. Still, single digits all the way till July 15th. Till July 15th. That's no small feat. Yeah, that's crazy. Because that's, what, week 20? No, week, yeah, 19 at that point? 16, yeah, 19? Mm-hmm. 19. Man, that's that's crazy. <laughs> that's like two thirds through the season. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Just about. Um. And oh, I have something to talk to you about, but I'll do that after the show. All right, sounds good. Yeah. Um. Oh, geez. So yeah. That, What's up? Sorry, um, just because we're in, we're in kind of around the <clears throat> around the league time. It's the 84th minute of the United States match. They're up six zero. Six zero. Yep. Ooh, and Ferrera's got a hat trick. All right, sounds good. Perfect. Sorry, I had to check that one. I saw a gold cup in our in our next segment here, and I was like, oh shit, I haven't checked that. <clears throat> I just 
finish my hat trick too. I'm working on <laughs> working on a new record, number four. Working on a new record. I'm working on the the Lime McKinnon right here. Yep. There you go. That's what we'll call having four beers from now on. It's <laughs> Lime McKinnon. So as far as uh league news, um the, I think the the biggest thing that we have here is that there are three players currently in the the gold cup. Uh, one of them is playing tonight against the U.S. men's national team, and that's North Carolina's Raheem Summersall. Uh, he actually started tonight for St. Kitts and uh, Nevis. Yeah, and as you just heard, it is not going terrifically. Not going so well. That's not really fair, though. I mean, they they were not projected to to do very well in the Gold Cup anyway. Exactly. But, I mean, it's still an incredibly valuable experience oh. for him and... And what an honor yeah. too to go and play, to play for the international team. I mean, yeah, that that's something you dream about as a kid growing up. Yep. So who cares if you if you go and lose in the Gold Cup? You still played for the national team. Exactly. And then uh, North Carolina's uh, Nelson Flores is playing with the El Salvador national team. Mm -hmm. And then I think I saw earlier today that Chattanooga's uh, goalkeeper, Ricardo Harris is playing with the Guatemalan national team. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So three players in, in international duty right now. Um, yeah. I know championship has a, a ton of players on international duty right now too. So yeah, I think there's 11 that are yeah. playing from championship. Something like that. Yeah. But that's, that's good. That's great for, USL in general is to see that many guys going up to play with their international teams because that just further legitimizes your organization when you can send guys up to the international team because they're good enough to play. And especially yeah. um, Somersault going up and starting tonight. It just yeah. a League One guy starting against the U.S. men's national team is huge. Yeah. That's a, a a really good uh, marketing op opportunity. Mm -hmm. See, this guy is laying on the ground and he's cramping up, and they're not giving him a hot shot. Oh, missed See, opportunity! More evidence that women are tougher than men. True. True. Uh, yeah, it, I'm not. I'm not going to make the joke I was going to make. We'll, <laughs> we'll move on. Uh, so there was another bit of uh, news released. Well, I, I wouldn't say that League One releases news, but the newest ELO ratings uh, came out uh, about a week ago. It came out on the 23rd of June. And some surprising ratings for the League One clubs. Um, looks like Northern Colorado is your, your far and away winner as far as the ELO ratings goes. Um, and then it's it's pretty close between Charlotte, Ford, Madison, and North Carolina. Richmond and Greenville are tied. And one Knox. And one Knox mm -hmm. are all tied in these rankings. Um, Union Omaha edged out Tormenta. And then from there, Lexington has a bit of space above Central Valley Fuego, and Chattanooga is at the very bottom. Mm-hmm. I can't say I'm terribly surprised about some of these placements, but a couple of these I'm I'm genuinely surprised about. I'm I'm not surprised that Northern Colorado is number one because they deserve to be that high. 
Charlotte being number two, I'm perfectly fine with Madison, um, North Carolina at four. But the Richmond Greenville one knocks being all tied in this mm-hmm. rating system is really surprising to me. And I'm happy that they recognized the the difference between Central Valley and Chattanooga as well. They recognize that Central Valley is better than what their current standing is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's definitely interesting to see um, ELO rankings. I mean, it, at, in one hand, it's all just numbers and stuff yeah. like that, but it is kind of weird to see how the numbers actually correlate to a lot of on-the-field performance, and it it's, seems like it is fairly accurate as well. So yeah. It's always crazy to see that like, you can just take the raw data and and type it in and it comes up with so i mean if you look um rich has our power rankings that we did this week and the elo ratings and the the power rankings that we did are pretty damn close to what are they <laughs> really what it is yeah i didn't put them side by side oh that's cool oh yeah, yeah we totally didn't do that yeah it's so it just I mean, the eye test and the ELO rankings apparently all coincide together, which I would not have guessed. I would have guessed that my eyes would have been a little bit worse than mathematic equations. But Now, in the power rankings, you and I were fairly close. We we each had this, the same groups of three going down the, the table. Mm-hmm. We just had them in, like, different orders. Yeah, I think the, the only ones that we had in the same spot were Northern Colorado at number one. Um, and Tormenta at 10. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the but only aside ones from that we agreed that, on. Aside from that, they were, they were close enough that our picks were, were essentially neighbors of it with. All oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So we didn't have any like drastic like what the fuck are you thinking there? Yeah, no, I feel yeah, like man. all of them were all of these teams are pretty interchangeable, especially the top six. I feel yeah. like the top three by the end of the season might change a little bit, but that's pretty much what you're gonna see. And then the bottom three with a little bit of pressure maybe from the outside two are gonna be somewhere between those teams between fourth and ninth it's just and but who knows because they all play they don't play similar games but they have similar runs of form so i feel weird i feel weird saying this i know that we're gonna be doing like a mid-season show here pretty soon but i feel weird saying this but i've kind of felt this for the past few weeks i feel like five of the six playoff spots have already been claimed oh wow um and I think we can talk a little bit more about that during the midseason show, but that's that's where I currently sit um, on the playoff situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's quite a bit. Um, but now that I'm sitting here looking at the standings, like I don't know, man, there could be plenty of drama going down the line. Uh, yeah, very well could be for sure. That's League One, man. That's just how we roll. 
I already have my picks for the the final too. Oh, wow. and I think that's going to be very surprising for people when we do the midseason show. Right, looking forward to it. Got some work yeah. to do then. <laughs> um, but looking ahead here to week sixteen, we already talked about uh, Madison getting the win tonight versus Tormenta. But on Friday at six p.m. Central Time. North Carolina takes on Charlotte in the Dogwood Derby. Hopefully no beer showers or anything like that this time. <laughs> Saturday at 6 p.m. we've got Greenville uh, hosting Madison. At 6 p.m. as well, Richmond hosting Chattanooga. And League One After Dark on Saturday night, Central Valley hosts Union Omaha. Oh, yeah. And then Sunday, we've got Lexington hosting Tormenta at 6 o'clock Central Time. Oh, there's some good matchups here. A lot of good matchups. I'm I'm looking forward to the Dogwood Derby. That one has been kind of the, the premier derby as far as spots in the table are concerned this season yeah. so far. So um, looking forward to that one. And then obviously, Union Omaha and Central Valley. And Madison doesn't have to worry about any of the the travel constraints because they're staying in the southeast, mm-hmm. uh, going from Statesboro to Greenville. Yeah, I heard that today. They're just going to stay down there. Yeah. And then Richmond and Chattanooga. I think Richmond and Chattanooga, I don't know if they've played this season. Let me look that up really quick. Chattanooga, yeah, they played in week 12, and it was separated by a single goal. Um, Chattanooga visited City Stadium in week 12 and lost 0-1. So this, yeah, this is going to be a fun week. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. And that Lexington Tormenta one, I will say, is going to be a little bit sneaky because it's that two very similar teams. Two teams yeah. that need to start getting their, their poop in a group, I guess. Yeah. But, I like it. That's. I think that one is going to be a, a lot of fun to watch too. It's nice that there's not three matches on Saturday at six p.m., so it's a little mm-hmm. bit more spread out. We can watch some, a lot more matches without having to go back and rewatch them this week. And Lexington supporters better show up, man, for that one Sunday night. That's going to be a fun one. I'm sure show they will. They've loud. they've been doing well so far yeah. this season. So. I don't expect anything less from the Lexington faithful out there. Yeah. That'll be cool. We did get one question in the, the Twitter uh, sphere. This one came from Alex Ashton. You can find him on Twitter at Alex, Alex RVA. He's the guy who is in charge of league one updater. So, you know, the man behind the mask, his question for us was me. This Splitting up all-star quality performance. Which players do you feel have been underwhelming based on expectations so far? I do feel as if we've beat this one to a pulp. Um, I don't name any specific. All I will say is, if you've listened to our previous episodes, my opinion on those specific players has not changed. Yeah. Um... What players do I feel like have been 
underperforming based on expectations for Union Omaha. Underperforming, uh, I feel like Steven Dos Santos should probably have a higher goal total than he does. I think he's sitting on, what, one? One or two goals? One or two, yeah. Yeah. I think two if you include U.S. Open Cup. I think he scored a goal in the U.S. Open Cup. I remember he scored one against Central Valley the first time we played him. Yeah. Um, But I'm having a hard time remembering the next time that he did score. So, um. And especially coming in being the leading scorer for championship, I mean, a championship squad, like, yeah, the the expectations were very high. So um, he's one I feel like is a little bit underwhelming based on expectations. Um, other than that, I mean, really, the, the defense kind of, Center backs for me are a little bit underwhelming. Um, they've had their their problem spots this year. Um, that's for sure. Um, but there's still time to fix it and turn around. But yeah, I'd say Steven Dos Santos up top and then our two center backs. Um, or actually Swahi and Palacios. Swahi and Palacios, but honestly, our entire four four back system that we've used between would you throw a mash Antonio in that as well? I would throw him in there based on my expectations of him after seeing him last season as compared to this season. Cause I feel like Marco on the left side has been very good, especially in recent weeks. He has been, he's, he's definitely come in. Good. Yeah. He's definitely come in in the past few weeks for sure. And then um, on the right side with uh shaft and, um, Dion, I feel like they those two are like completely interchangeable. Oh yeah, and when when he brought when um, Dominic brought off um, Shaft and then brought on Dion Acop, I turned to Colin at the game and I was like, "That's a like for like sub. They're the same fucking guy." Like, yeah, it's like Luis Hill and Joe Gallardo in the midfield. Same guy. It's like yeah, it's like like for like yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I agree with you, the, the center back situation, you know. Um, I think it's just a parenting issue. I don't think he's yeah. fi- quite figured out who can play with who in what situations quite yet. And I think there's also a formation issue that you'll be seeing resolved here soon. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've texted you uh, some stuff here. Um, but I think that's that's going to be resolved here pretty soon as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean it's it's also a new system, so I mean take everything with a grain of salt. Like underwhelming doesn't mean obviously that I think they're bad players or that you know that they don't deserve a spot on the team. It's just they based on expectations before the season started. I mean, with where Omaha's sitting now, I mean you really could be hard pressed to say the entire team isn't underwhelming right now. But yeah. that's where I'm at with it. There were there was stuff that you and I were texting back and forth about weeks ago, and like suddenly in the past couple of weeks, we're looking at the the film, thinking, "Holy shit!" Like they're doing what we said we they should do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It's it's almost like Dom knows what he's doing or something. Yeah. 
Weird how that works, right? You get hired for a job and, and you just know how to do your job. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, yeah, we appreciate um, the, the question, Alex. So thanks yeah. for sending that in. Well, we have a great slate of matches ahead of us uh, here in week 16 of the League One season. Um, it all started off tonight with a Madison 1-0 victory on the road against Tormenta. We'll be covering that here uh, in the weeks, you know, next week or whatever. Uh, we'll be covering a mid-season match. We'll have more interviews here in the coming weeks as well. So we certainly have a lot of plans here in the works. And if you want League One action, you know where to come. Um, both to us over the Walk in 90, League One Under the Sea, all the, the various uh, podcasts out there, Fuego, Talking Flock, um, Who Gives a Hoot, um, you know, uh, Tyler Crank Crane, Kicks Lex, got, yeah. uh, Crank Kicks Lex, um, League One so, I mean, Updater, League One Updater, tons. Get out there, you know, obviously we're going to give you some League One action, um, you know, if you want other League One stuff, hit the ones that we just talked to you about. There's other ones that are going to be popping up here pretty soon. We've heard rumblings about some uh, podcast starting at other clubs who don't have a podcast yet. So we'd be more than happy to to support those uh, podcasts and giving them some hype here on the show and bringing them on here to, to talk about their efforts and everything. So we just want to bring all the League One action we can at you and make sure it's good stuff too. Yeah, definitely. That's That's been a priority. I mean, the thing about doing the show is I wanted to make a show that I would want to listen to at work so that other people can listen to it at work. So yeah do it for you guys and it's fun yep. for us too obviously yeah i mean we're sitting here looking at two hours now and i mean yeah we're still having fun mm -hmm. oh yeah forget how many shows we're at at this point it's quite a few now though it's probably it's about a full season now it's like we started yeah. about halfway through last season we're about halfway through this season so i think we're pretty close to that year mark for our first show i'll have to take a look but yeah i think we're pretty close to that one year mark yeah we're gonna have to figure something out we're gonna have to do something for a a one-year anniversary show yeah get all dressed up mm -hmm. black tie affair i'll do it i'll do it too <laughs> <laughs> all right everybody thanks for tuning in to another episode of league one on the rocks my name is rich that is brian we'll be uh, back with you with more content check us out on twitter where we post a lot of our stuff. Uh, we'll continue bringing all the good stuff. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. See you.